I want to tell you guys about DoorDash, and I know how important it is for me and everyone out there to continue to support restaurants in our community safely. DoorDash is a great way to do that. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage right now more than ever. And a great way to support them is to use the app DoorDash. I will be honest, my wife and I have been using it frequently this summer. We moved houses and there was a lot of nights when making food was going to be impossible and DoorDash saved us and we can both get what we want. If she wants Chinese and I want pizza or vice versa, uh, it saved us. I will be completely honest and we are huge, huge fans of it. Um, right now, listeners can get up to $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code 1-O-N-E. That's $5 off, no delivery fee when you download the app. That's all you have to do is just download the app from the App Store and enter the code O-N-E. Don't forget this code O-N-E for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Ultimately, I'm gonna keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back with another episode of 1% Better. The Colts looking forward to week two because week one didn't go so well, as you know. Uh, they're 0-1, game on tap on Sunday, the home opener against a rabid and rousing crowd of 2,500 at <laughs> Lucas Oil Stadium. It's going to be different, Zach, right? But, um, you know, I'm okay with it. I, I want to see some football. I want to actually be in the in the house for one for a change um right and i think the colts want to play different football i think it was pretty clear this week and the players and the coaches we've talked to that they have some amends to make for that ugly disaster of a loss in jacksonville and i, I think they're going to be ready for this one they seem to bounce back pretty well under frank reich have you gotten that feel this week i, I have uh, they also and this should not surprise you, but they're they're also not panicked, right? Like they no, they true. saw it for what it was. At least I have gotten more perspective on this, like as the days have gone on. And what I mean by that is, oh, it's no less unforgivable. <laughs> okay, right. it should never have happened. There's not a but free I, pass for that loss. No, it's terrible. It shouldn't have happened. But I'm telling you, I watched this game closer in the aftermath. I watched it as close as I have any game in the last couple of years, just because I, I wanted, there was so much I think to glean from it. And I will tell you, I cannot believe they lost the game. I, I just cannot understand it. If I showed you, remember I told you this earlier, I said, if you, if you just got here from Mars and I showed you the box score of this game, you would probably say, oh, they won by two touchdowns because they actually outplayed them by that much. So they got to look at, they got to look in the mirror and figure this out and not let it happen again. So we'll get into some of the particulars and some thoughts, but let's, Zach, let's start with, I think, what is one of the bigger stories of the week that we need to sort of recap. Didn't get to this in the first episode because it wasn't unfolded yet, but right, uh, Marlon Mack out for the season. Uh, clearly the Colts feel comfortable with Jonathan Taylor, but I think just based on the way Marlon Mack played in that game, it's a big loss just from what we saw that little glimpse. And then the other, I think, reality here is this backfield is now going to be sort of made up in a different fashion than they envisioned. It's totally different than what they what they were going for in 2020. They were going for a backfield that could hit you with multiple different ways 
in multiple different ways with different backs. And, you know, you just took one of the main pieces out of the equation there. So uh, what is your level of confidence, I would ask you, in Jonathan Taylor and his preparedness for this role? And how do you see it playing out? We've, we've gotten some information this week just on how the division of labor will work and so forth. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so the, the first reaction inside the building was a huge level of disappointment for Marlon Mack. I mean, they, they feel for this guy. And he's a nice, polite, quiet guy. And I think, you know, we've heard multiple times from players and coaches just how much of a gut punch this was to the locker room because they just like Marlon Mack that much. I think and Frank Wright, by the way, he, he used the word beloved when talking about yeah, Marlon Mack. And yeah, I would say that's accurate. Look, this is not the first time we've covered – you know, a player has been lost to injury for the year, but we, it was very clear in their statements how much this hurt. And we'll get into Marlon Mack's future in a minute, but, you know, from a football perspective, they were really amped to, to be able to attack teams with both of their running backs. And removing Naheem Himes from the equation, who had a great day Sunday, they wanted to hit you with Marlon Mack and they wanted to hit you with Jonathan Taylor, and they didn't think there were a lot of defenses out there that could handle that all game long. And that was going to make T.Y. better, and that was going to make Rivers better, and that was going to make every part of the offense run smoother. And now they don't have that. You know, I asked someone, is, is Jonathan Taylor really ready for this, you know, to be the guy at the NFL level in the second game of his NFL career? And I got two words back. He's ready. They're very confident. You know, they were really happy they drafted Jonathan Taylor before Marlon Mack got hurt. Now they're even more happy they drafted Jonathan Taylor because there's no panic. They, they've have the pieces in place to handle this, but let's be honest, they don't have their home run threat. I think Taylor could be very, very good. And I think he will be, but let's not forget how good Marlon Mack is. And, and he does a lot of the work. Now, look, he's got a great offensive line in front of him, but he makes a lot of guys miss too, especially at the second level. And he does it so smoothly. Um, you don't even notice it half the time, but this is, this is a, this is a tough one. And um, for a guy in a contract year, it's, it's even tougher. But, but look, I can't imagine a better scenario, you know, where they're ready to handle this gut punch because Jonathan Taylor, um, here's your shot. You know, here's your shot. I don't know if they're lucky or just good, but I will tell you this. Without having drafted Jonathan Taylor, this would be a very difficult situation. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> about right. that. How much different would this be right now? You know, and maybe they're just lucky, right? Like they didn't foresee this happening. But uh, at the same time, they know Marlon Mack was in a contract year. They uh, knew Marlon they, Mack. Gets they weren't deemed. committed I mean, to paying him, right? Remember so, his rookie year? He 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 had the shoulder injury. He played through yeah. that. He had the wrist. He's had the ankle before, so he's missed some time. So you prepare yeah. for these situations. Yeah. So like initially, I think we might have said this the other day, but like initially that night on draft night when they picked Jonathan Taylor, I was kind of like, "Whoa, wait, what?" and that was my initial reaction, but I think once you let it sink in and you heard what they had to say, it made sense, right? And I think we've all come to understand that. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit lucky here, okay? Let's be, yeah. let's be clear. They're a little bit lucky because they would be in a world of hurt. Like, I love Naheem Hines, but you ain't putting Naheem Hines right. out there for 25 carries, okay? Right. That Naheem was never is the great goal. in the role that he's in. And yes. if you push it too far... You're going to see why he's great in the role he's in, and not much more of a role. But I mean, he's never been that kind of back, even in college, right? So right. To, do, to ask him to right. do it now would just be crazy. And and we're going to see more Jordan Wilkins. And these yeah. are Frank Reich's words yesterday. I'm a big Jordan Wilkins fan, and I think you know we talked about this, kind of laughed about this in camp. Like if Jordan Wilkins is your fourth string running back, 
you're in a really good spot because he's probably the best four string running back in the in the NFL. Um, he's going to move up to third string right now. We're going to see some more carries. He's a good change of pace guy. He's definitely a guy that can that can get some twenty yard runs and surprise you. Um, so you know they've got three guys that can handle the load back there. They're in a pretty good spot considering they just lost a, a Pro Bowl caliber running back on Monday. Yeah, and and on that note, every team says. They use the running back by committee approach now, which is in vogue. But the Colts actually embody that. They from day one, from Frank Reich's first game right. in Indianapolis, they have truly been a running back by committee uh, offense. And he brought and that he, from Philadelphia, and that's yeah, how he wants to play. There's no question. So I so I believe him when he says that they're going to get all these guys involved. They have always the last, I guess, this is the third season under Frank Reich, and. Every step of the way, they have always played three running backs. So that's not going to change. And lucky for them, they have the depth to do it. Uh, now, they made a, a roster move today, and I thought they might bring up another running back or, or find a spot for another running back. They did work some guys out. They actually chose not to do that and brought uh, Reese Fountain, wide receiver Reese Fountain, up from the practice squad to the active roster wouldn't, and also put Marlon Mack on injured reserve. So that was kind of interesting. I think that is a potential uh, reaction to Zach Pascal being a little banged up today. So um, yeah, we'll and, see and where he's to be honest, we saw him on the practice field. Now he wasn't practicing with the offense, but he was running with Aaron Burrell, the, the head trainer, and he was moving pretty well. I don't want to yeah. make anything out of that. We yeah. don't know, but um, they have seven wide receivers on the active roster right now. <laughs> what the heck, right? Uh, so... <laughs> Hey, you can never have too many wide receivers and linebackers, apparently, because they've right. got a bunch of those, too. But you so, need – can you find some cornerbacks who will play defense <laughs> on Sunday? Oh, we will get to that. Oh, that was uh, a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Probably shouldn't let it go to waste, right? Uh, so let's just touch on another little development that is kind of under the radar, but I think caught some people's attention and I think is worth exploring. So the Colts added a kicker to their – practice squad on what Tuesday now that was certainly interesting and we've spent a lot of the time since trying to interpret that Frank Reich was asked about it just this afternoon in fact and the answer was <laughs> it was kind of unclear would you say Zach because I think he was trying to have it both ways he kind of said yeah well, he did he did want it both ways well t tell me all right t well first let's tell people what he said yeah he said, so, yeah, go ahead. Tell he said, well, you know, there's pressure at every spot in this business. There's pressure on the players. There's pressure on the coaches. Then he added, eh, we kind of just wanted to have a specialist on the practice squad because we have some extra spots this year and we just want to be safe. But <laughs> when you consider one, the kicking issues they had last year and the nightmare that was and how they waited too long to do anything about it. And two, the fact that Rodrigo pulled a 30-yarder on Sunday, and you can't miss 30-yarders in this league. I'm kind of thinking they're just making sure that he's the guy. Now, they be they believe in this kid, and he also made some nice kicks on Sunday, but they can't do what they did last year if this gets worse, right? They cannot just, just move ahead with the guy who's missing every week, right? God forbid. I mean, <laughs> it's like uh, one of my old bosses used to say all the time, you know, you can't whistle past the graveyard, right? It's like, right. no, like the graveyard's there, dude. <laughs> it's like The graveyard you know, was the Colts kicking game last year. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And, so, you know, sorry to be so morbid, but that's kind of what it felt like sometimes, man. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess this is up. This is sort of 
up to the eye of the beholder, right? How you interpret this. I don't think they're cutting Rodrigo Blankenship tomorrow, right? No. That's not that's not what this is. I don't think they're cutting him after this weekend. If he No. Unless, no. you know, anything short of three misses or something like that. Right. That being said, does he have a shorter leash than Adam Vinatieri? You're damn right he does. Adam Vinatieri had the longest leash in league <laughs> of course, history. That's a bad example. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Adam Vinatieri didn't have a leash. I mean, he had you know he had a freaking yardstick, right? So, uh, yeah, it's it's a different situation, right? They are not going to hesitate if they think there is a need. They're not going to hesitate to make a change here. Of course, I don't know that the kicker they signed is necessarily the answer anyway. So I, I, I really am leaning yeah. toward this being just a safety valve kind of move. But, yes, but we but also Frank are didn't go smarter out of his than way too. But Frank, yeah, but Frank, and also Frank didn't go out of his way to make it sound that way either. I mean, he said right. it, but he certainly didn't bend over backwards. Look, Frank Reich is incredibly sharp, okay? He knows how his words get interpreted and he is extremely cognizant of every syllable that comes out of his mouth. So I just, all I'm saying is he didn't go out of his way to like shut that down. <laughs> you know I mean, what I'm saying? It's kind of kicked, he's kicked one game. I mean, right. you know, he won the job, but we got a long way to go. And and I got a feeling and tell me if you disagree, but just listening to Philip Rivers today, this team's going to be in a lot of close games this year. They're just not they're mm-hmm. not going to be good enough to blow teams out, but I think they're going to be good enough to hang with a lot of good teams. We'll see. There's a long way to go. But just maybe I've just covered in the Colts long enough to know that they're just, they're just going to find a way to play down to bad teams and play up to good teams and have a lot of one-score games. That means Rodrigo's going to be more important than ever. That means Philip Rivers and his stupid interceptions are going to be more <laughs> important than ever. And they need to shore those things up. And and you know, the kicking game last year you know, we could argue all day how many games it cost them, but it was a huge deal. It was, I mean, you remember how bad it was. We couldn't even watch by the end of November. We couldn't even painful. watch when they were kicking field goals or extra points. So I think, you know, I'm hesitant to believe they're completely behind Rodrigo, but I think they're also smart enough to know that, you know, we need to be prepared because I don't think they, I don't think they handled it the right way last year. And I think it cost them. Yeah. So, Here's an opportunity now to look forward to to what they can take from this game that I think will help them moving forward. There are some things, some really redemptive qualities from that game that I, I want to touch on real quick. And one of them came up today in a conversation with Frank Reich, and it was the screens. I thought they, I think, from watching Sunday's game, they have an opportunity to be an incredible screen team this yeah. year. Have an They're incredible throw screen a million game. of them. Yeah, and they've, they've got the right quarterback to do it. They've got the right backs to do it. Because Jonathan Taylor, I don't think of Jonathan Taylor uh, top of mind when it comes to the passing game, certainly. But he, I thought, proved his, his best plays on Sunday were in the passing game. He took <laughs> they were not one. in the running game. He almost carried those defenders after a long run, after a catch. Yeah. He almost carried those guys in the end zone. Yeah, and so, and clearly, Naheem Hines can do that as well in terms of you know making the most after the catch. So, so they've got... A really good situation here. And I think Frank Reich, I think he said something that was very promising. He said it was really good and that's something we want to build on. And I think it's about time. This is something that I've wanted the Colts to to kind of double down on the last couple of years, but they, they haven't executed them well and they haven't maybe it's the quarterbacks, and I'm talking Andrew Luck included. Maybe they they play a role here, I think. But in any event, 
Philip Rivers is the master of this. So he's he loves them. I mean, you could yeah. tell on on Sunday he will throw them every down if he could. Yeah, I think Andrew Luck. God bless his heart. Andrew Luck, while he would certainly throw the screen, I don't think his heart was ever in it. <laughs> I think he wanted to throw right. the damn ball down the field. Right. <laughs> so Nothing wrong with Phillip that. Rivers, to his credit, is totally fine with it. And, you know, ask Austin Eckler about that, right? So uh, he's got, you know, the, the fantasy football cred to prove it, right? So, so I, I think that they're going to be – they have an opportunity at least to be really good at this. And I want to see more of it. I mean, I, I tweeted a, a a screenshot yesterday, if you go back in my timeline on Twitter, and you can find it. It's basically a shot of Naheem Hines' touchdown, which was on a screen. It's the second touchdown. It was on a screen pass. And he's got three horses in front of him. No, I'm sorry, four. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got Quentin Nelson, hat on a hat, taken out of a linebacker. He's got... Uh, Mark Lewinsky, and he's got Ryan Kelly taking his guy out, as well as Mo Ali Cox, like 15 yards downfield cleaning up. So it's all green in front of him. So my point is, if they got athletic offensive linemen, they've got a quarterback who is all in on the screen game, and they got the backs to run it. What the hell are they waiting for? So Yeah, and the one thing I you want to point out about that offensive line is they're not just great pass blockers back in the pocket. They're very athletic guys. Quentin Nelson is always out there in open space, finishing blocks and creating room for his guys. And Ryan Kelly is usually right there. Uh, Brain Smith is quietly very good at that as well. So, you know, look for a lot of screens this season. And I think Naheem Naheem Hines is going to rack up the yards after the catch because Phillips is going to keep throwing them. They're like his best friend. He just wants to throw more and more of those. I should also include Paris Campbell in there too. He's got yeah. lots of uh, ability on on in the screen game, and I, I just think you got to play to your strengths. And I think this is a an offense that's changing from from the Colts offense of more recent years, right? We've been used to certainly you got used to a downfield passing attack. That's not what they are now. Mm-hmm. It's a different sort of passing attack, and I think if you watch Sunday's game, you now know you you now understand what we were talking about in training camp, right? Remember, we were telling people throughout training camp, like, look, it's different, but it's it's actually it looks good, but it's different, and I think you got a taste of that on Sunday. Uh, most of their throws weren't of the deep variety; mm-hmm. they threw it a lot and for a lot of yards. But there's a there's different ways to do that, so I think that's what Sunday kind of demonstrated. Uh, Let's touch real quickly on Paris Campbell. I just mentioned him. I thought that was just what the doctor ordered for Paris Campbell on yeah. Sunday. I think, and he mentioned this. I think he's going to grow from that. But the mm-hmm. fact that he was able to walk off the field in one piece and, and without a broken hand or broken foot, he's just going to build on that. And I think you saw everything this team saw on him from Ohio State. Like, this guy can be a player. And there were moments on Sunday when I thought he's he's gonna he's gonna be a huge part of this offense this year, and I'm excited just to keep watching him do more and more because he's gonna start finding the end zone, and you could tell that Rivers has confidence in him. I mean, among the biggest winners on Sunday, there weren't a lot because this team played like crap, especially on defense. But Paris Campbell, man, he he really brought it. Yeah, I I really think this guy has an opportunity to. Well, let me start by saying I'm not gonna crown him like the heir apparent to T.Y. Hilton, like, you know, no. have more than like one big game and then we'll talk. But <laughs> but at the same time, I think he's got a chance to be a chance, okay? I'm not crowning him, but I think he's got a chance to be a star in this league potentially. And here's why. 
He's in a great offense for his skill set, first of all. He is perfect for what they want to do, which is let players make plays, right, after the catch. He's perfect for that. And at the same time, we have also saw that he can run very effective routes and catch balls against tight coverage, and he can do some things that way. He, he made a couple of tough catches in that game, and that's something that maybe he didn't have to do a lot of in college. He was either wide open or he was catching the ball in space and doing his thing after the catch, right? So he's showing other facets of his game, and I think that's very promising for Paris Campbell. And, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we don't know anything about, about Michael Pittman yet, okay? So, like, I, I know we're ready to – I know we just kind of assumed when they drafted him, like, all right, Michael Pittman, plug him in, plug and play, he's ready to go. And, and I did too. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's certainly got a lot to learn, and I don't think he's – I don't think he's there yet. That's, that game certainly didn't prove that he was ready to roll yet. I mean, he's got a yeah. lot of work to do. It's going to so, be a process for him. It's going to be a yeah. process for him. I, I think Campbell is ahead of him right now. And I think it'll yes. stay that way for a while. You didn't see a lot from Zach Pascal on Sunday. Um, we'll see where he's at with the injury throughout this week. But um, you expect T.Y. to bounce back? Yeah, I do. I, I, think, I think we're going to see – like a gradual diminishing of T.Y. Hilton just just because of his age and and certainly maybe some of his health and injuries catching up. I mean, that's going to happen, right? Like we have to already accept that that is going to happen. Now, at the same time, I don't think that's what this was. I think this was just, this was just a great player not coming through in the clutch. I mean, look, as great a player as Kawhi Leonard is, right? That fourth quarter the other night was absolutely abysmal. So right. and it, that's why it was so shocking, right? If he wasn't any good, no one would be surprised by it. And that's kind of how I felt with T.Y. Hilton. Like I can't believe he did that, you know? I can't and, believe he did it twice. Yeah. Twice. And, and and with T.Y., the one thing I never worried about was his hands. I mean, the guy doesn't put the ball on the ground. Never. You know, if it's catchable, he catches it. He's got never. some of the best hands of any you know sort of uh, elite receiver I've seen. And that was just shocking to me. It just really, really was shocking. So, yeah, I do. You know this. You know T.Y. What happens after he has a bad game? Yeah, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting him to come back in in a big way. And I'm expecting some T.Y. celebrations in the end zone on Sunday. And, you know, I had a little bit of a chat with Chad Graff, our our Vikings writer up in Minnesota, just kind of get the skinny on the Vikings. Oh, the Vikings. (laughs) They got rid of three of their best corners, including Xavier Rhodes from last year's team. And they got shredded. These young corners got shredded by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday. And I asked him, you know, was it just Rodgers being Rodgers? And he said, Rodgers was really good, but no, the corners were terrible. Every receiver was open. So Paris Campbell, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, if he plays, even Michael Pittman, it might be time to, to eat on Sunday because if you're playing these rookie corners that, you know, haven't really leveled off in this league in terms of like steadying themselves, it might be time to take advantage. And you know where Phillip Rivers will go with the football. He'll find the weakest point in the defense and he'll go with them. If you've got a hungry, angry T.Y. Hilton, that's the best kind of T.Y. Hilton. So I don't think we'll see any more of those drafts from T.Y. Hilton for a while because you just, that, that's been such a rare thing in his career. Yeah, until that kind of thing becomes a habit then I'm going to assume otherwise. That's just, that, that's how it is, right? I mean, when you're a great player, you get the benefit of the doubt. And yeah, so he's I think 
T.Y. Hilton deserves the benefit of the doubt. Like, at the same time, we can say what it is. It's inexcusable. Can't happen. Can't happen but he gets player. the benefit of the doubt. He gets the benefit of the doubt. And so let's talk after next week. Before we move on, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It was sure nice seeing the teams out there back on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, it was just week one. Lucky for the Colts, there's a week two. There's no better place to get in on all the action than when DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, which is coming up this weekend, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. It's safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FAST, that's F-A-S-T, when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1, and if they win, you get $100. That's $1 to win $100, and we use the promo code FAST during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, you must be 21 or older. Indiana only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Just a quick word about Fubo TV. Got the family plan here going where three people can watch at one time. Cool feature. They also have the standard base plan that gives you the right to watch two screens at once. They're offering 15% off the first month, 30 hours of DVR, local broadcast, and they want you to know it's $50 a month. And at times like this, it's certainly going to be more affordable than other cable providers. So with the NFL season upon us, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to Fubo tv.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's fubotv.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. You mentioned the Vikings. Let's talk about that. 522 yards 
allowed to the Packers yeah. on Sunday. 43 yeah. points. I, I got to think, listen, in watching this game, I told you I went back and watched it in detail, the Colts-Jaguars game, and I was even more impressed with the passing game because <laughs> it was really good, man. It, it's yeah. so sad that it had to end the way it did. Yeah. Uh, certainly, Rivers, two mistakes can't happen, and I, I think there are some other offensive things that I'll get to in a second that that they got to deal with as well, some things defensively. But, but I thought the passing game, I thought for week one with – with a new quarterback and you know a couple of receivers who haven't played that much, I thought that was as good as it's going to get. And Especially I, early. I mean, the yes. first two drives, I thought they were going to put up 30. And it really came down to two things. I mean, if you want to simplify it, I watched the tape, and I thought the same thing. And people were like, oh, Phillip Rivers was terrible. I'm like, no, he was, he was really good for stretches. The two turnovers were killer. They were inexcusable mistakes for a veteran quarterback, especially the one where he locked eyes with – Paris Campbell all the way across the field cannot do that. And then secondly, they, they had five drives in the red zone and only two touchdowns. And that's, that's the game, you know, in a one score game, you got to finish those. They were a pretty good red zone team last year, really good in 18. They were pretty good last year with Brissett. this year, two for five. That's terrible. They need to get better in that area. These are things Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni have talked about in the last couple of days. And, and I think they will get better, but Sunday just had a weird feel to me. They just they just weren't sharp. They couldn't finish. They just TY's dropping passes. Rivers is making really, really bad throws. It just felt like it wasn't their day. We'll see if they fix those things on Sunday against Minnesota. Um, but you know, it it the tape was more reassuring than I thought it would be. I thought it was gonna be terrible. You know, you put up four hundred and fifty yards of offense, it, it's not that bad. Yeah, I'll 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 put a point on this particular angle by by saying what I've said a few times this week, which is, and this is not excuse making, this is just what I saw, okay? So you can interpret it however you want, but this is what it is. For the Colts to lose this game, the following things had to happen. Two terrible interceptions by Rivers, stopped on a fourth and one inside the five-yard line on a block where Quentin Nelson doesn't finish. Right. Uh, they had to have, well, first Marlon Mack gets hurt too, which didn't help. Uh, they miss a 30-yard field goal. <laughs> they had just a variety of just just unconscionable penalties that were just ridiculous, mindless penalties. Yeah, right? Paris like, Campbell flexing in that guy's face. Right. Kenny Moore, Even I think he grabbed the face mac during the sack. Right with the the the, the horse collar. Yeah, this and and the timing of the penalties were unbelievable. So look, those are not excuses. But my point is, I'm talking about good players doing bad, doing really questionable things. Jack Doyle got flagged, huge flag on Jack Doyle, and it was borderline certainly, and he argued it, which was not really uh, a Jack Doyle move. So maybe he oh, had a he looked like he there. was more confused about that call than anything he's ever seen in his yeah. life. He, he no, argued I, that for 15 minutes. I think he got, I think he got hosed on that one. But, but anyhow, my point is a lot of things had to happen. And Oh, by the way, I went back and I charted this Gardner Minshew threw the ball 20 times. Only six of those passes went beyond the first down marker. So what I'm saying is all of those things happened and somehow the Colts managed to win the game. And frankly, we're throwing into the end zone in the final minute, <laughs> trying to tie the game. So they were not talking about a game where they they had no opportunity to win it. And and by the way, your best player or your best receiver drops two balls in the red zone in the final minute. So all of that had to happen. It took all of that for the Colts to lose this game. So what I'm saying is that is terrible <laughs> that they did all those things and none of them are excusable at the same time. Right. There's two sides of that coin, right? They're not going to do that every week. 
because this is the NFL. And also, if you do that every week. You're gonna go. You're gonna go winless. I agree with that. It, it's not excuses, but those things are not gonna happen every week. But but also, play defense. Like actually play defense, <laughs> and stop giving so much room to the receivers off the line of scrimmage and giving them free releases. And I mean Minshew just took what they gave him. They gave him a lot. And Kirk Cousins will do the same thing on Sunday. And a lot of chatter about the defense this week and and how they played it. Um, didn't like how they played it on Sunday. It felt a lot like what I watched in December of last year. That needs to be fixed. Eberflus needs to fix this out, figure this out and fix this. Um, he's done a really good job with what he's been given, and they've seen a lot of growth in the defense and a lot of young players step up. That being said, you cannot keep doing this. I mean, over your last six games, you've given opposing quarterbacks a 76 completion percentage. I mean, that's, that's how you get beat. That's how they got beat on Sunday. Um, this needs to be fixed. And, and to be honest, um, that is my one of my biggest disappointments Sunday was just how little resistance they gave Gardner Minshew. I mean, this guy has torn them up two games in a row. They got so, much tougher quarterbacks coming up down the line. So to dig a little deeper on this defensive issue, and I'm, I'm glad – that uh, we've had a few days to, to kind of digest all this because I, I learned some things. And one of them is this, the, the ones we, uh, the, the unit we haven't talked about nearly enough is the linebackers. And yeah. they played a big role. I think in a lot of the passes that were between the hashes, they played a big role in that. And there were a lot of those in fact, and I'm telling you, especially in zone, when they're playing zone and a lot of those instances, the linebackers are looking at the quarterback it's their job to get in the right spot to to get in those passing lanes. They didn't do it. I don't know what it was. I, I do know, and I thought this was picked up on the broadcast too, that Gardner Minshew did a good job with his eyes, right? He did he did a very good job at times setting his feet, setting his eyes, and throwing off the defense. And I think that had a lot to do with uh, the, the Colts not being in position on some of those quick passes. That being right. said, it's not an excuse. You got to do it, and to to have the linebackers really be a non-factor in the in the passing game in this defense, that can't happen. There are other schemes where maybe you can survive that, and maybe it's not right. as big a deal. They have too much responsibility in this defense to go just completely be a non-factor in the passing game, and they were, and that that includes Darius Leonard. Uh, he he was in on a lot of tackles, but he wasn't making those passes difficult, which is a big part of his role. And so that's got to change. And the other thing I would say is it's funny. They actually played a a fair amount of different types of coverages. The problem was that it wasn't even just the coverage. It was also the philosophy, which was they were letting them catch the ball in front of them. Right. And that's, that's what, that's a philosophical decision. It's not even a a coverage decision. Right. Right. And a couple times what I what I gleaned was a couple things. Number one, they didn't make the tackle immediately, and that hurt them. So if you're going to do that, you better make tackles. You better get that guy on the ground. And I thought there were a couple times the corners were guilty of that. That's one thing. The other thing I would say in particular is Xavier Rhodes, I thought, two huge plays where yeah. he, he did not do his job. And that just – I think we – I don't think we recognized initially just how pivotal those two plays were. First of all, he's got the pass interference call, which never should have happened. Okay. He's step for step with the receiver. 
and such a weird d- mistake for a veteran to make. He was in good position, and it, 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 there was no need for that. I thought Matt Eberflus put it perfectly. He said, all he's got to do is follow his technique, which is lean into the receiver a little bit so you know where he is, and look back. Because the reason you don't look back is because you're afraid he's going to make a move and get away from you, right? I get it. Right. <laughs> I couldn't do it, right? It, that's why I would be terrible at that job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have enough confidence to do that. But that's the job. So you got to follow the technique. That's why it's the technique. You, you lean and you look back and find the football. Guess what? They're not calling the flag if you do that. And he actually might have made a play in the ball. Right. The other quick, the other thing, real quick, is the touchdown he gave up to Cole on that play. They're in man coverage, and I think it was interesting. We thought, you know, we we kind of assumed they were playing mostly zone, but that play, they're in man coverage, and Matty Eberflus confirmed that this week. Correct. And what does Xavier Rhodes do? He gets sucked in on play action. Why are you looking at the running back? You've got a responsibility for one guy. You know, yeah. it's like you had I one thought, job, dude. <laughs> I thought Darius Darius Butler, who has a great Twitter account, former Colts mm-hmm. DB, he pointed this out. He's like, why are your eyes going here? This is your man. It's your sole responsibility. Man coverage, play down the field. And and that's the mistake. Now, look, Xavier's going against the Vikings this week, his former team. Maybe he'll be more amped up, but he wasn't the only corner in DB of the Colts to screw up last week, too. I saw a lot of hands in the air, miscommunication. Not an inspiring week from Malik Hooker or Rakia Sin either. Those guys were wide open in the end zone when they caught those touchdowns. So that group needs to fix itself and fix itself fast. Because yeah, what I, we've seen going back to last December is some awful football. And I really think a lot of this is fixable, but we've yeah, said that I before so too. too. But we've right. also said that before. So as you just mentioned, <laughs> this is not a new issue. But I'll, I'll maybe give Xavier Rhodes some slack here. First game in a new system. And this is you know a very different system than he played in in Minnesota too. So so he certainly is making a, a big change from where he was. So I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I, he didn't deserve nearly as much as you know a guy like T.Y. Hilton as we were talking earlier because that's a guy who has earned that. Xavier Rhodes has been completely up and down the last few right. years and doesn't deserve nearly the same amount of uh, rope as a, as a great player like T.Y. Hilton. So... Right. He's got to prove it. He's got to show it. And right now, that's not looking like a great move by Chris Ballard. <laughs> I'm just being I, honest. It just yeah, doesn't. No, it just I doesn't. never loved it from the start. I was willing to wait and see, but I watched Xavier's tape last year, and it wasn't good. I know where he was before that, but corners, when they lose it, they lose it fast. And mm-hmm. it's it's a hard position, man, and there's, there's no – there's no lifeline sometimes out there when you're on an island by yourself against really good receivers. This guy needs to bounce back. Otherwise, they need to find someone else to play cornerback. So we'll see. But um, look, I mean, we can make excuses all we want. They lost to the Jags, and if they lose to Minnesota on Sunday, they're staring at 0-2. And they're losing a good opportunity, a really good opportunity, to get off to a fast start this year because they've got a murderous stretch in November. They've got Aaron Rodgers one week. They've got Lamar Jackson. Then they've got Houston and Tennessee, both within three-week stretches in November and December. So um, all is not lost. I think the mistakes are correctable, but they better they better look like a different team on Sunday. Otherwise, they're going to have to answer some tough questions Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I, I think that we were kind of counting on that too, the fast start. When I, when I say yeah. counting on it, meaning 
if they were going to be the team that they hoped to be, that was sort of baked into the cake that you'd get yeah. off to a fast start because they had that opportunity. And we certainly weren't counting on them losing to Jacksonville. And we'll see what happens against Minnesota. They're sort of a fluky, sort of flaky team to some extent. Kind of like the Colts, honestly. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have some talent. They definitely have a lot of talent. But do you know what you're going to get? I don't feel like I know what I'm going to get, right? And so I, I think they're, they're similar that way. Uh, but both really, really need a win. So anyway, I think we were counting on that fast start if they were going to live up to expectations. So I think that makes this a big game because of what you just outlined. We know what's coming. And the front end of your schedule was where you had an opportunity to really make hay. So I, I still think they'll get better and progress over the course of the season because Frank Reich has proven that before in his first year. Uh, last year is an exception, but I think injuries had a lot to do with that. But, but we'll see. He's got to. They're going to have to do that again. They're going to have to continue to develop over the course of this season. Um, I omitted Zach one thing when I was talking about things that they can build on uh, from the first week, and one of those surprisingly, I know people might be surprised to hear this, but one of those is the defensive line. I actually, in hindsight, think it was pretty good. And you know, we talked to Danico Autry, for example, and we also talked to DeForest Buckner, who got a ton of double teams. And mm-hmm. I think this worked exactly like it was supposed to, right? We knew that DeForest would command a lot of attention. He did. And Danico Autry took advantage of that, right? And and actually made some plays and looked like what I said, you know, he had a chance to do, which was to do Jabal Sheard's job, frankly, at left defensive end. Um, what do you think? I mean, I, I feel like a couple things. Number one, the running game, the run defense, I should say, started off slow. And that didn't look too good. But I thought that settled down. They shut that down in the second half, I thought, for the most part. And yeah. for, to have four sacks and five flushes of Gardner Minshew from the pocket in as few passes as they threw is a pretty good percentage. I think this. I think the problems are in the back seven, not the front four. Uh, did yeah. you have any impressions? I'm with you on that. The problems are in the back end. And, and I think they'll continue to, to, to have to develop that group. But – Buckner eating up a lot of double teams at six tackles, I believe. And, you know, I asked Danico Audrey today, like, well, two sacks on Sunday, you're on pace for 32. And he kind of smiled, but he's a versatile guy. He had a great 2018 an average 2019. He's going to benefit from DeForest Buckner. And so are the other guys on the defensive line and good for him for taking advantage. You know, you're probably going to get one sack from Justin Houston, just about every game. He just seems to make one play every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, they need to stop the run. And that's a huge part of this defense. They didn't do it in the first half. I think they gave up 80 yards to that undrafted rookie for the Jags. They need to stop the run, and that's going to help the front. That's going to help the linebackers. That's going to help the secondary. And, and they're going against Dalvin Cook this week. So it's even more important because you're play, facing a guy that always wants to get outside and always is thinking touchdown. So um, they need to get back to that basic tenant of their defense. And, and, you know, I looked up the math this week because I wrote a long thing on the cover two and just why it works and why it doesn't. And, what's important and the Colts are the fifth best team against the run since Matt Eberflus took over. They've been really solid in that yeah. area that needs to continue um, with a guy like Danico Autry and then adding to DeForest Buckner in the middle. You feel pretty good about that. I, I feel pretty good about that defense. And look, the Colts fans out there know there have been some rough days against the, against the, against the rush in, in the last couple of years. <laughs> well, really in, in franchise history, there've been quite a few, <laughs> right? Uh, we could, rehash that if we want so hey i'll leave you with this folks and you can make it this whatever you want 
32 teams in the NFL. Guess which team gave up the second fewest yards of every team this week? <laughs> the Indianapolis <Yeah>. Colts. <laughs> so that is one of those stats. You can spin it however you want, my friend. And all that matters is there's a zero in the win column. That's right. I mean, the, the offense, I think, is third in the NFL in terms of passing yards. I mean, right. So listen, hey, they're king of the hill when it comes to stats. <laughs> they're right, putting up numbers, right, folks. Right. So win the game. Win the game. Win the damn game. That's right. So if you were with us last week, you get that reference. So they did not win the damn game this week, but there's another opportunity on Sunday. Zach and I will be there with, as I said, that ruckus crowd of 2,500. It's going to be weird, man. It's going to be really weird. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just looking forward to being in the house for a football game. So uh, stick with us. We'll be there. Lots of coverage to come. And uh, we'll see. I mean, certainly coverage of the Colts and any of the other 31 other teams in the NFL. Uh, If you're a subscriber, you get coverage of all of them and all of the sports that we cover, uh, both here and abroad. Premier League, you name it. So uh, great value, I think, for subscribers and uh, also a little... A little plug for our for our app listeners. You can get this podcast actually ad free in the app. So just a little you know, little shout out there if you uh, <laughs> if you want a little less salesmanship. <laughs> so um, anyway, thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. We'll be back again with our post game episode on Sunday or Monday. Stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening to One Percent Better.